live long and prosper. Well, I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermit Frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 156 of a Play on Nerds podcast. Uh, I'm Jarman. I'm Steve, and we are here to co-host the hell out of this thing. That's right, and we're in the month of October now, so things are getting spooky. And in honor of the movie Hocus Pocus 2 coming out, we're going to be discussing the first movie, Hocus Pocus. Go figure. Somewhat maligned at the time. It's now a Halloween classic, and we're going to talk about it for you. Yeah, it's kind of become a cult favorite, apparently, so... Yeah. I had never seen it before, so we'll be first watching through it. You had seen it before, Steve? Oh, I mean, yeah, yes. For oh. most people, it is a childhood classic. Yeah, I just I missed this one somehow. Never saw it. Man. This is my first well, time. So we'll talk about that crap. later. That's nuts. But what have you been up to since we last recorded, Steve? Uh, well, just kind of getting back into the routine of going back into the office on a regular basis. Uh, but in between, Joyce lost her first front tooth, like her top front tooth. Oh. That's right. Big milestone. I went to a kid's birthday party. Wait, wait, hold on. Tooth, we go back to the tooth first. Did you do? Are you doing the whole tooth fairy thing? Yes. Nice. I like it. That's and she fun. gets for the front two teeth only, the front top only. She gets two dollars a tooth oh. because they are the most embarrassing of the to- teeth to lose. That makes some sense. I get that. But every other tooth from here on out, just only a buck. I've made that very clear. That's in the contract. <laughs> Don't go crazy here, girl. <laughs> um. But currently, Joyce does still, in fact, believe in the Tooth Fairy. I like it. And then Kid Birthday, they had a mixed bouncy house and slip and slide, which I didn't know was a thing. But now I want one for me filled with margarita mix. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. And, uh, and then Joyce had her beginning of the year uh, school assessment mm. and her reading assessment. And her reading assessment is she is so far ahead in reading than every other kid in the class that Ms. Barclay is going to do her own reading group with her separate from all the other kids. That is just going to be the two of them at reading more advanced books. <laughs> that's see, that's the thing you can always say as your kids really, really young parents say this all the time. Oh, my kids way ahead. But then when you've gotten to this point where you actually have confirmation of that from an outside source beyond just the two parents telling you that's the case. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, now I believe Steve that she's actually really. (laughs) Anna and I tried to keep it in check because we were like, because we kept asking like, is it's like, she just not going to have anything to do in kindergarten with where she is. And we were like, no, 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 she, she's every kid's like this. And we get there. No, incorrect. (laughs) Uh, At the parent night, the teacher was basically told us thing that, you know, and, and last year, every single one, 100% of my students left the year at at least an A-level reading. Your child will read at a minimum of A-level. I will work very hard to make that happen. And I looked it up, and Joyce is reading at like a JK level, which is like second to third grade. Oh, so A isn't the highest. It's like the lower. No, spectrum. A is like the absolute lowest. It's like, run, Jane, run. Jump up the stool. Like, wow. that's that. And Joyce is at a second or third grade level. So. Yes, it's confirmed, and we're like just trying to make sure she doesn't she doesn't get bored more than anything. Oh yeah, and that's it's, legitimately it's our worry at this point. Always the goal is you want your kid to be smarter than than you. 
So that's good. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I just don't want her to be because my fear is, you know, she's gonna know how to read everything, know all the stuff, and then like distract another kid and ruin education for that child. No, I mean that, that happens with a lot of smart kids. You know, they get bored with their class and they they maybe act out or they just get you know maybe they read in their own. That's one of the options too that could be fine too is that they've already done all the homework and so she'll be sitting there reading Jurassic Park by herself, you know, in the corner, you know. But you never know. It'll be fine. She's a great kid. over there reading, you know, like deep philosophical literature <laughs> in the corner. Oh, yeah. I did the assignment hours ago. It's fine. Yeah, it's good. It's okay. I'm just kidding. It'll be Stephen King novels. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> she knows what you guys watch. That's right. <sighs> what about a, you? A lot of milestones you, uh, there. You had, I heard you guys got a little wind down there. <laughs> Yeah, you might be hearing this episode maybe a week or two uh, from when this is recorded, but as this was recording, we didn't know if I was going to be able to record or not because a lot of my friends in the Orlando, Florida area are without power right now, uh, are flooded. We had Hurricane Ian come through, and unlike other hurricanes that do a lot of damage, like straight-up damage, like trees falling on houses, we had Hurricane Charlie in 2004 that just massacred mm-hmm. Orlando. Um but this, because they go through fast, which means that when they're coming up on land, they're at a hurricane category level four, like something really big or five. And the longer they're on land, the smaller the hurricane gets in that, in that it's not as as forceful of winds. So Irma was a few years back, went through Florida really fast. So by the time it got to us, it still had very strong winds and knocked shit over, broke roofs, knocked over tiles and, and broke cars, that kind of thing. But this one stayed real wide and big and moved really slow. So basically it got real small as far as the the wind's power as it went over Orlando, but was still huge in scope and just was less wind. So it just rained constantly for about 24 hours. And we haven't seen this much rain in central Florida, particularly in Orlando in, we don't know how long yet they're still calculating. Um, So people's houses were just flooded completely uh, I went to walk down the lake, which is at the end of our, our street, and the lake has now engulfed the entire street uh, that is at the end of our wow. street. I'll have to send you a picture later, Steve. It's crazy. There's people on rafts uh, at the end of my road. Um, but yet I'm like a block away from that, and I never lost power. I have no flooding. Our yard is pretty much fine, and we got really lucky. But it wow. was a crazy experience. And as anyone who lives in hurricane uh, areas knows, they – uh, on the news for 24 hours, they just push, 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 like all the fear and scare you and you have to go collect everything. People hoard stuff. And we did a medium amount of like getting some supplies, but we thought we should be OK. And we were OK. We were lucky. But, you know, it was, it was it's a weird time, but I'm glad we're recording and everything's OK. <laughs> yeah, man, that bastard took its time. It just I kept checking there. on the news <laughs> day after day. And every time I looked, I go, did it move? barely <laughs> is it in the same place what the hell is happening with this goddamn storm yeah and it's just like constant rain and winds for like 24 hours and so and luckily we're on kind of like a hill of a, a sorts so it kind of all went down towards the lake but our friend's house she's like was all last night was just trying to get the water out of her house and putting towels and blankets down everywhere it was a mess so she's gonna come stay with us for a couple of days and it's just yeah that's that's florida living Oof. guys there's going to be crocodiles, not crocodiles, alligators rolling around by my house. <laughs> All the crocodiles from people's personal in-home aquariums are going to be loose after this. Yes. And all the- they are going to take to the streets. <laughs> the illegal tigers. All the tigers. monkeys being kept as pets also. 
well, they're all high on meth you know because it's florida <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's uh that's what's put up with me but i think that brings us to some uh nerdy news yeah it's time for nerdy news all right this week simple but cheeky title man flu Man flu is a general term for the fact that men are big babies when it comes to getting colds and nasal infections. (laughs) Well, scientists have confirmed that there is a scientific difference between men and women when it comes to dealing with colds. Hmm. Some scientists published in the Journal of Psychosomatic Research, if that tells you anything about the story I'm about to tell you, uh, where they sent people with colds and nasal infections self-assessments to be taken at home over the course of the sickness to both men and women. Uh, They reported symptoms, how they were feeling, emotions, and a bevy of other factors. And once they collected all the data, they realized that men and women, uh, women on general report more symptoms early, but then they also tend to report recovery faster. Hmm. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, But otherwise, they found no other major differences in severity, duration, or symptom spread between men and women. There was one difference, however. Uh-huh. Men reported emotional symptoms both faster and longer, uh, both er- later and longer than women. <laughs> Crybabies. Yes. So the emotions of getting sick really seem to hit guys harder. But otherwise, gentlemen, you are full, full of it. You don't have it worse. And you need to suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> but I'm sad because I'm sick. You don't have the man flu. You have being a crybaby. <laughs> I think that's a very insightful study and very helpful. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, I think it brings us to our main segment, talking about some hocus pocus. Yeah, Hocus Pocus. Uh, at the time, it was didn't not really well received, didn't do that great, but has since really cemented itself as a Halloween classic for a lot of people in our generation. Yeah, I think I saw it made thirty nine million at the box office, which for the time was okay, but not very good still. But not great. No, not great. Not great. Uh, well, the story starts in colonial times. Uh, a child is abducted by three witches. Her brother tries to intervene. They turn him into a cat. Uh, but the sisters are eventually caught by the townsfolk and hung, but they cast one last spell. Someday they'll be back. We cut to someday. <laughs> uh, Max is the new kid in town. He's getting bullied. He has to take his sister trick-or-treating. His parents force him. He runs into his crush, whose mother volunteers at the witch's house, which is now a tourist attraction. They light a candle they find, which fulfills a prophecy and brings the witches back. They steal the witch's magic book and run from them. Uh, they get into a graveyard, which is hollowed ground, but the witches summon a, a mummy or zombie, I guess. Mummy? Zombie. I guess yeah, a yeah. mummy. He's kind of mummified uh, zombie, basically. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Mummified zombie to go after him. <laughs> they try to warn the adults, but uh, the witches cast a spell on all the parents that they're going to dance until they die. Uh They trick the witches, trapping them in a kiln at the high school to try to burn them. But the witches survive, of course. Kids don't know this. They get cocky and they decide they're going to open the magic book. Well, the witches find them. They take the book. They take the little sister. 
and Max and his crush have to head back out to the cottage to try to stop him. They trick him, thinking that it's sunlight, but really it's car lights. They get the little sister back. Max tips the cauldron, but the witches are able to salvage one final scoop of potion. Uh, the witches chase them down. They go to the same graveyard. There's a final face-off, and the Sanderson sisters attack. The big brother drinks the potion, sacrificing himself for the little sister. And as the main witch raises him into the air, the sun comes up, and all the witches explode. And she turns to stone. Uh, the dead cat, the bo- the cat from earlier, the boy, he dies finally, gets a happy ending, and Max and the girl get together. Because uh, the cat boy becomes uh, dies and goes to heaven to be with his sister. And the whole point was originally that the they drink these potions to take the youth from from children, yeah. and so they can live forever. And they were trying. I tried to, to keep it real short. Yeah, yeah, and that was an important fact that that whole point was they had until the next morning to go steal the the youth from everyone in the town of Salem. Otherwise, they were going to die forever. But yeah, that was, that was a great roundup. Yeah. Of what so, Jeremy, you hadn't seen this before. No. So, what what are your just general impressions as a first time viewer? Um, I think general impressions kind of go into what uh, my my likes for the movie were, um, which was that it felt very much of the time that it was made. Um, yes. It had that very early nineties kind of Spielberg S type magical feel about like hook, that kind of thing. But also it was so early in the nineties, 93 that it still had sort of like the eighties movies tropes, like the whole following max, the, the rebellious teenager who's still bullied by the bullies, you know, and he likes this crush on this girl. They talk about her boobs. Like it was very eighties kind of movie, but then at the same time transitioning into the nineties style magical feel. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, uh, it's just, but it, I, I wasn't upset by this movie. It was, it was actually enjoyable. Um, I don't know. What are some of your likes of this film? <laughs> so, um, I like the pacing. There are a few moments it gets slower, but those moments are filled with like character development. So I at least respect that they exist. It's not because the plot was written bad. It's because we need a sweet moment between these two characters. We need that moment between, uh, the main kid and his little sister to establish the relationship. So we care later. So there were some slower mo- moments, uh, but overall the pacing is very, very good. I mean, we should uh, say that the, uh, the main witches would be uh Bette Midler, Sarah, Jessica Parker of sex in the city fame. And then the third, witch, I keep forgetting her name, but she's, you've seen her in a bunch of things. Probably she's a comedic actress. who has been in a lot of stuff. I'll look it up. I'll IMDB oh, it live. Um, it's because she has not saying usual name, but simply not a typical one. Kathy Najimi. She's Lebanese actress. I did see that. Um, but also the the boy, he didn't do much after this. The uh, the girl playing his love interest, you'd also probably recognize, but wouldn't know her name. She's very pretty. Was in a lot of stuff. And then Thora Birch playing the young daughter uh, was adorable in this movie. I didn't know she was that young of an actress when she started. She was later on American Beauty. She plays the daughter of Kevin Spacey um, in that movie. She's Good actress, yeah. So just uh, some other notable actors in here. We have Charlie Rocket. Very recognizable guy. Cast. I didn't know his name either, but he's very recognizable. Uh former SNL cast member, and he played the father. Uh, and he died like ten or fifteen years ago now. Really? Uh and then in the role of Billy, the the mummified zombie, as we established, uh, yeah. is Doug Jones. Love the Doug master Jones. of creature effects and putting on far too much makeup. And movement and everything. He's great. Movement, yeah. Um, the three witches, speaking of them, were all good. They played really well together. Like their comedy was yes. very tight and quick and reactionary. 
Um, well, I will say the favorite the thing of the three, witch, the three witches. I'm so sorry. The three witches' favorite thing they do is the the walk, where they're all walking together oh, yeah. and stalking, and they look both ways. Like it's so well choreographed and put together. I love that so much. I think the scene that really exemplifies is when they go trick or treating by accident, looking for children. <laughs> yeah. And they go to what they think is their master's house, but it's just a guy dressed as the devil. That whole stuff inside the house you is just brilliantly. And it was uh, Gary and his, uh, what are their names? The, their brother and sister, the, the, the devil and his wife. That's actually brother and sister, and they're both directors. Gary and uh, Marshall and Penny Marshall. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah, their brother and sister and Penny Marshall directed tons of like funny rom-coms later on in the line. And, and he directed some stuff and acted in a lot of things. Um but yeah, it's just kind of funny that they were the two people. <laughs> Great cameos. Um, but yeah, three of them worked well together. The kids weren't bad. Like none of them were terrible actors. Yeah, they weren't awful. Um, I did like the two bullies. They were like uh, they were a very good cutaway to have. Also, very stereotypical eighties, nineties bullies in a movie. But I liked them a lot. They were fun. Yeah. Um, and even some of the best dialogue was just the, them being idiots. This is Ernie. Yo, man, I told him to call me ice. This is ice. (laughs) Shit was all great. He's got ice like shaved in the back of his head. Shaved in the back of his head. (laughs) I also like the story is really cool, but but also that they weren't afraid to like shy away from dark and adult themes and also moments like where they had they had them getting hung in the middle middle the beginning of the movie. Three witches are hung. You see their legs hanging. It was pretty dark for a Disney movie. Um, they did it pretty tastefully, right? They did, yeah. But still, they talk about virgins. Uh, a virgin has to light the candle to bring um, them back. They can, mm-hmm. and then also the bus driver at one point when they go try to go on a bus, and they say they're looking for children, and he's like, "I can make that happen for you." It may take a couple times though, and it's like that's an adult joke for a Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was. I, I was watching with my fiance, and she was like, uh, "I." didn't remember that joke from being a kid. Now I understand exactly. what that joke means. <laughs> exactly. She yeah, didn't. Exactly. Uh, special effects and CGI are really well done for the time period. Like the cat animated face was almost bad sometimes, but really good for the time. Like, right. Some of the times it was some of the times it was real bad. But uh, it wasn't as off putting as it very well could have been for 1993. I was that's like, that's true. And apparently it was more realistic looking. But they had to tone it down because Disney told them it looked too scary. So it's less Mm. realistic, more cartoony looking because they were like, it looked too real and it was freaking people out. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, But I like that they kept most of the things practical. The costuming was really great for the witches. Um, I did. I love how they they sort of manufactured it, that the witches were so out of place. But like the, you know, the the convention that their cottage has been turned into a tourist attraction. And so it was preserved. Right. So in the middle of this new age town, they have a reason to be in their like old witch's cottage. (laughs) And it being Salem, like I was just in Salem last year or whenever that was. And it's they have a lot of old places like that that are are preserved because of the history of that place. So it, mm -hmm. it makes sense. Checks out. Um, But yeah, I think overall. A very enjoyable movie. Uh, it's earned its place sort of as a family film because I don't mind watching it with my kids because you're right. They don't get those jokes. Yeah, it's like it's, it goes over their head. So it's fine. It doesn't get it's not blatant. Uh, I think the only thing that feels questionable and I know why is the Bette Midler musical number. Oh, 
Yeah, because she's Bette Midler. <laughs> they've never seen right because the main is yeah we we literally have not brought it up before this point is that the main <laughs> witch is Bette Midler. Yeah, why? Well, so that uh, that's a little bit earlier, but that one time it hasn't come up otherwise. At least they uh, they, they, they they bring it up when they are in the 1600s before they get hung. They start to try to mm-hmm. sing to like bewitch everyone there. So they kind of lay the groundwork that they can sing to bewitch people. You know, um, and then and then it wasn't out of context. Like it's not like I'm talking about like an out of nowhere musical number. Right. They were at a dance with a band. They cast an enchantment during a song. And it's too distracting the parents so they nowhere. stay out of their way. So it makes sense. Yeah. We're right. It helps to progress the story a little bit and explain why the kids can't get help. Um, but yeah. Overall, really good. If you haven't checked it out, it's on Disney Plus. Or maybe you have an old VHS copy somewhere. And now let's talk about what we think uh, is in store for us in the sequel, which comes out tonight, the night we're recording, technically. And we'll talk about some dislikes, too, right? Because I'm going to get to those. Less oh, yeah. What do we didn't we like? Oh, OK. Well, oh, that's that first good. then if you want. Um, let's do that first. I just know we like we usually like to pick some things out that we don't like as well. Um, a piece of shit movie. <laughs> so my dislikes are very minor because it wasn't a bad movie, like you said. Um, but I almost feel like they could have uh, given the witches more dialogue and more interactions um, with like the modern world that they're in. They did some of it and and just do some more scenes to give a feel of their personalities and individuality of each one of the witches. That's true. Um, um, yeah, because they did some. You get an idea of what they're kind of like on a very 2D level, like each and one it's of clear them. that each one has gifts. Yeah. The cat, the Kathy Najimi's got the nose to smell children. Sergis Parker's got the, the voice to lure them. Yeah, like they kind of go into it, but there just wasn't. It was almost like couldn't a little bit more. But that's just nitpicky. Um, and like I think what you said earlier, there are times where it feels like it drags somehow, even though it's just an hour and a half long, and there's a lot going on. So I can't really explain. But there's some parts from like this is still there's still a half hour left in this movie. Like I felt I remember pausing the movie to go to the bathroom. I'm like there's still a half an hour left, <laughs> and it was only an hour and a half movie, but some, somehow it dragged at parts. I don't know why. Um, yeah, and there's not really. Well, I I. Th- I th- I think I just identified it mentally as you were saying it. Uh, the it is that they built the script like a horror film, hmm. because in a horror film you have these these intros and then suspenseful moments where you can really drive the suspense and really drive the horror, and then you have to give the audience a break. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And you have to drive the horror and then really give the audience a break. This was written like a horror film, but there wasn't horror. We didn't need a break from anything. That's a good point. That's I literally, as you were saying it, I was like, that's why they built it like a horror script. And that will make sense because I read in some of the trivia that there originally was going to be a much darker film. So maybe that would they, make perfect sense to me. Maybe they had it that they used the same script, <clears throat> updated it, but kind of left those breaks in there that they didn't need anymore. That makes a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. And also, Damn. I didn't watch this movie for a long time because at one point everyone kept saying, you've never seen that before. And so you know, you get that a lot from somebody. And so you decide, oh, I'm just not going to watch this anymore. <laughs> so it was kind of one of those movies where everyone was like just rubbing in my face, like how I hadn't seen that, how crazy it is. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to watch it. So now I finally had a reason to watch it because of the podcast. So I finally well, did. I think it's because it has that cult status. It does now. Yeah, it really does. And it was fun. It was fun. It didn't it didn't I don't think it was amazing, but I think, yeah, it's definitely a good movie to show your kids and stuff. It's it's definitely enjoyable. Um, but yeah, Hocus Pocus 2. That's a preview we've seen. It comes out tomorrow when we're recording this, um, mm-hmm. which would be, I guess, the 30th of September on Disney Plus. Um, but it looks like similar setup in Salem. We it looks like we're going to get a little bit of the witch's backstory. Yeah, that's good. Which is cool. Uh 
same thing. Some girls messing with something they shouldn't be accidentally wake up the witches somehow. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to be a very similar plot. If anything, I'm kind of expecting this to be uh, like Force Awakens. <laughs> Just a retread of like a, a new Like hope. you're going to hit a lot of the same story beats, a lot of the same notes, but we're going to see interchange of characters, new relationships to to keep it interesting, I hope. You know, I thought was great was that apparently Bette Midler was 48 when she did the original Hocus Pocus, and she'll be 76 when she does this one. <laughs> it's just wow. And she looks great for her age. Like, she hasn't changed much. I think it's because she looked kind of old at 48, and so now she looks pretty much the same. <laughs> so that's kind of just <laughs> works. <laughs> but yeah, lots. that's a lot. Of, it's like 30, 25-something years or more since that movie came out. Almost 30, yeah. 29 years. Oh, oh and we're going to see Billy, the mummified zombie. Yes, as well. and Doug Jones is doing great as ever, so he'll be great. I mean, if anything, he's like he he's a bigger star, arguably than like Kathy Najimy, and I bet you he's been in more stuff. Oh than yeah, all those and Sarah Jessica Parker almost guarantee he's been in more movies than all. Of them. <laughs> yeah, he's been in a ton. He's amazing, and Star Trek he's constantly working. Um, all right. So some trivia, right? Going into Ooh. Doug Jones, actually. Hey. Um, During a 20th anniversary screening of this film, Doug Jones revealed that the moths that come out of his mouth at the end of the movie are real and not CGI. real. Yes. So in a 2018 interview with Bloody Disgusting, uh, makeup artist and special effects designer Tony Gardner said that he wore a mouth rig. So basically a latex pocket that he attached to dentures that blocked off Jones's throat to make the moths come out and they couldn't go down his throat. And there was a small hole in the very back of the pocket so that Doug could still cough some air through it. So basically, an animal wrangler would place several moths in the pocket with tweezers. Then the stitches would be glued shut. They had stitches on his mouth um, that he cut off in the scene. And we'd frame out so that they would get the shot as fast as possible. And they'd run out of the shot. And then he'd he'd cut cut open his own mouth and then cough them out of his mouth. And those were real moths. So gross. man. Dedication of Doug Jones is freaking amazing. Um, the role of Max Dennison, the, the, basically the lead of this film, the little teenage mm-hmm. guy was originally offered to Leonardo DiCaprio and he turned it down cause he was going to appear in what's eating Gilbert grape in 1993. Um, this is kind of cool. Sarah Jessica Parker, who plays the witch, um, who was executed during the Salem witch trials. She plays Sarah, the witch in this film, um, while researching her family history for the show. What do you think you are? Or who do you think you are? Um, she found out and was shocked to discover that her 10th great-grandmother, Esther Elwell, was arrested in Salem, Massachusetts in the late 1600s for committing sundry acts of witchcraft and then choking a neighbor to death. Um, Esther's case never went to court. She escaped with her life. I love and- how it was witchcraft first and then choking someone to <laughs> yeah, death. Yeah, witchcraft's more important. We don't care about the neighbor you killed. People die every day in these these ages. <laughs> Um, but she escaped with her life and the, uh, the accusation ended the Salem witch trials. So basically that was Esther, that her case was actually very important because the arguing of that particular case is what ended the witch trials in Salem. Um, Hmm. and she, it changed Parker's, uh, Parker's life knowing, knowing that about her family was just fascinating. Um, Winnie is the one played by, uh, Bette Midler, the main witch. Um, she had several iconic curses in this movie, like, you're a maggoty malfeasance and a trolley mog. And these weren't scripted, but are authentic insults. They came from a book of old curses that Midler referenced on set, which is kind of cool. Um, 
Yeah, she had people running behind her with dictionaries of old curse words that they would give it to her in the set. And contrary to popular belief, this was not the first Disney movie to mention virgins. <laughs> Apparently that was Dragon Slayer in 1981, which I have not seen. That could wow. be a future episode of Play on Nerds, whatever the hell Dragon Slayer Just is. Just Dragon Slayer. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Lopez originally auditioned for the role of Sarah Sanderson, the role that Sarah Jessica Parker eventually got. Interesting. And Cloris Leachman, great old actress, uh, was the producer's first choice to play Winifred, the role that eventually went to Bette Midler. Midler. Um, and Danny and Allison, the the girlfriend and the the uh, sister, dance after burning the Sanderson sisters alive. They dance by this fountain that's in the background, and that is the same exact fountain used in the opening credits of Friends. A year later, Friends yeah. was not even out yet. It's this place in Los Angeles, this big old house, and there's this fountain, and you see it in that scene, clear as day, and I was like, oh my god, is that the fountain from Friends? Look up the trivia, yeah, it's the same exact fountain they dance in for Friends every single episode. So, there you go. So now we have a special little bit game to play with Steve here. This is something called 20 Questions. Halloween edition. (laughs) Do you know how 20 Questions works, Steve? I get to ask 20 questions and have to get to an answer? That's right. (laughs) Just in case our audience didn't know. Okay. Um, And we're going to have three categories for you here. These are all horror, uh, spooky, Halloween-y kind of based. And you can pick which category you want to go first. Video games, movies, or paranormal. Video games. All right. Ask away. He's going to try to ask questions and to get to the correct answer that I've already pre-chosen for this 20 questions. Does this game, I'm a, is it a game? Yes. Okay. One. That's one question. Mark that down. <laughs> Does it feature zombies? Yes. Does it feature monsters other than zombies? No. Dead Island? No. Okay. So that counts as one, right? I'm guessing, if I guess. Yeah, that's a question. So you've had four questions so far. Okay. Just making sure I understand the rules as we're <laughs> playing course. already. Uh, a guess is a question, yes. Okay. So zombies and no other monsters but zombies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a video game. I've sprung this on Steve. He's no prior is knowledge of this it- bit. Is it part of a franchise? Yes. Is it? Or is it Silent Hill? Is it? Uh, is it Resident Evil? That is correct. Ding ding okay. ding. <laughs> okay. You got okay. your first one in one, two, three, four, five, six questions out of twenty. That's impressive. That's not too bad. Not too bad. All right. So this next one, what category you want next? You have movies and paranormal left. Go with paranormal because I think movies is going to be pretty easy. So okay. I'm going to go with paranormal because this has a way further to go. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right, so it's Halloween. Is this a creature? Yes. Your your hesitancy saying yes makes me think it's a kinda. <laughs> um. Is this a classic horror monster? No. Okay. Does this come from our world? Maybe. Oh, God. It's a creature. It's not a classic monster, and it might come from our world. (laughs) 
uh, hoping the audience is playing along. <laughs> is this creature bigger than me? No. Okay. That's a good question. That was good. Yeah. Smart. Uh, is this creature a cryptid? Yes. Okay. Is it the chupacabra? That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> you got it the exact same amount. You got it six questions. Ooh, ooh, okay, okay. All right. You're so good, man. Your Feeling last good. category is right. movies. Okay. <laughs> is this movie part of a franchise? Yes. Halloween. No. Damn. <laughs> that would have been too good. That was my favorite one. So you're, I wasn't going to pick that one. <laughs> okay. I just thought that would be really good for like a Halloween episode. No, that's smart. It was smart too. Um, <laughs> is the movie a sequel? No. Okay. Is the antagonist of the movie alive? Yes. Is it Friday the 13th? No. <laughs> Is it Nightmare on Elm Street? No. Okay. <laughs> Good questions. All right. So it's not like the three biggies. But you've broken your six question streak. Does this thing murder people? Yes. Does the, the thing in the movie murder people? Yes. Okay. Does it murder them with only its body? Good question. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I mean, yes and no. Okay, not great. Not great. <laughs> Is it it? No, but good guess. Damn. Okay. So it's alive. We don't know if it's from Earth. <laughs> Did I already ask you if it's bigger than me? No, you didn't, but it is, is not it bigger, bigger than, than me. You. No. Okay. Okay. Shit. I'm at like well, you're 10, you're 10 left. I'm at too many already. Okay. But I'm already forgetting the answers. So this is not going to go well. <laughs> Cause he's tired and he has two children. <laughs> um, might be from this world. Not bigger than me. Might be from this world's this? question you asked in the previous category. You didn't ask oh, that in this category. God damn it. Steve, <laughs> is this thing from our world? Yes. Okay. Not bigger than me. Is this thing humanoid? Yes. The, per, the antagonist of the film. The antagonist of the film is a humanoid <laughs> that is not bigger than me. Is from this world. Oh my God. You feel eight uh, questions left. So you're doing okay. God damn it. God damn it. Um, <laughs> and this is Halloween related. Yeah. Spooky, spooky related. Yeah. Spooky related. Okay. Is it Nightmare Before Christmas? No. Thinking maybe Jack Skellington. You didn't ask um, number before. Does it kill people with only its body? 
And I said, Jack yes. Skellington fucking murders people. Does he really? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he did. <laughs> I was like, what? That's a sequel they won't oh. release. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it murders people with its body. For a tax write-off. <laughs> Is it Gremlins? No. Damn it. Is it? You could ask more questions. Pumpkinhead is is huge. That's not a question, so I won't count it. Yeah, Pumpkinhead's huge, so it can't can't be whatever the fuck those movies are. You could ask more qualifying questions to narrow it down more. Is the movie made in, well, because it's a franchise that might not help me. Was the original movie made in the 80s? Hold on. <laughs> Checking. Yes. Only its body in the 80s. Does it live in the water? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying this so much. This one's tough. Mm-hmm. And it's not bigger than me. Nope. Is it bigger than my six-year-old? No. Child's play. Correct. <laughs> good job. I was thinking I wasn't thinking small enough. <laughs> yeah. Good question to ask. Is it bigger than my <sighs> six year old? You got that in one, two, three, like four, five, six, seven, or eight, 15, eight, nine, maybe. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So you only have three Ooh, questions left. Because it's so close. Whew, but you got all of them. Congratulations. I did. I did. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Oh, I see you marking down stuff there, too, in our our live chat. Yeah, but I lost track at one point, so I'm glad I wasn't scorekeeping. I was scorekeeping. You're fine. So that brings us to some Radical Recommends. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right. This week, Radical Recommends, I'm going to chime into the many voices louding its praise online. And that is Disney Plus's new original series, Andor. Mm-hmm. Story of Cassian Andor, a uh, early rebel, I guess, and who was featured in Rogue One. And I'm really enjoying the show a ton. And I will add to that. Um, I hate Rogue One. <laughs> I hate it. The story is so incredibly poorly put together. They don't give us enough time with anyone to care about anyone. And in a story that is supposed to be anchored in emotional relationships, it makes it really tough to feel like the plot's worth it. And I will disagree only to say that I think the opposite, not that it's like the most best movie of Star Trek ever or Star Wars ever that people say a lot. I don't think that's the case, but I think that they gave us enough for each character to be like, who are they? I want to know more. And then, oh, my God, they're dead. And I loved that shock, but I didn't think it was just done for just that shock. It shows what people were willing to give for the rebellion. And now they they I, failed. They failed they so failed hard. Um, the entire crux of the plot hinges on the relationship of a father and daughter, and we get approximately twelve seconds of them. That is a fair point. They could have done more of the father the daughter relationship that is meant to drive the plot. I like that point. I do like that point. That makes sense. They failed, and they could have done. Uh, once this is one of these things with filmmaking that aggravates me is they could have fixed that with a one to two minute scene. 
Yeah. That established something about them as a father and daughter. And have less Saw Guerrero because I don't care two shits about him. I don't don't want. Well, that's the other thing. And then <laughs> what's following that? Well, uh, they leverage another relationship that's very important in her life to drive the plot. Do we see that relationship? Do we see a little scene of Saul raising her and showing her things? No. <laughs> but the plot hinges on this relationship. True. And it's just they do that over and over again, and it feels cheap and terrible. And the fact that everyone just sucks Rogue One dick so hard <laughs> makes me that much more aggravated at the movie. See, I'm more of the point that I thought it was, it was a unique entry because of the way it ended and what happened in it. I didn't think it was the best movie ever, like everyone else says. Um, Trash. But um, yeah, but I still liked Solo, a Star Wars story. So I'm not. So. On like, the flip side. Yeah, sorry, on the flip side. This is your radical recommend. Andor <laughs> is, well, I hijacked it. I hijacked <laughs> you it. Hijacked it. Yeah. Um, is Andor, which very much has the same tone that they're trying to capture. It's very much trying to, not say copy Rogue One's aesthetic, but set it in that world, in that time with those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they do everything right that they did wrong in Rogue One. Kind of like filling in the gaps they should have filled in kind of thing. But not only that, we we spend episodes establishing this person's relationships, what people mean to each other. We get to see flashbacks of like him and a a surrogate mother figure that helps to establish what's going to happen later. They Everything they just skipped in Rogue One, they took the time to do here. So when those relationships are leveraged to drive the plot, it makes sense and it feels fulfilling. And they have more time to do that in a television show. Which yeah, is, but absolutely. I'm not going to argue that, um, but it still, it could have been done poorly even yeah, then. And true. it's not, it's done well. And one thing I find um, very interesting about these episodes is that the director or editor, someone make purposely has chosen every episode does not end on a cliffhanger. Like they, no, make they it, wrap, they wrap it up. Like there's a nice end point. Yeah. yeah it's like, you want to know more, but at the same time, there's no cliffhangers in the show, which is very odd for today's, uh, story driven shows like it's like okay that ended kind of nicely for an episode like that's the end of this chapter or this book I can I could just peacefully not watch the next episode till tomorrow or something <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's strange right. it's like it's, it's unusual for our day and age it's strange uh, I agree especially for something that you know that people are going to be hanging on tooth and nail yeah they like usually this. would be I mean but this in this case it's like it's kind of more of a casual watch almost because you're not dying to see the next episode. You want to, but you don't have to immediately binge the next thing. Also, I don't know if you agree with this, but like, I won't spoil too much, but basically the first three episodes, I wish were just played all together as one movie to start the series. Because I can see that the first two episodes, I'm like, what is going on here? There's a lot going on. Like, I don't know what's happening. Do I care? And then by the third episode, it wrapped up with a button so well that I'm like, okay, that's the series. That's where they're going. And I feel like they should have almost played it as one episode. And they did kind of try to do that by releasing them all at the same time, which I get. But I don't know. But no, what what you're speaking to exactly, exactly what I what I love about it is that it said like. They're taking, they take the time. You don't really understand what's happening. You get all this set up, all these different relationships and players, and then you get to watch them play out. Right. And because they took the time to show all these people who they are, what their interests are, it it's satisfying to watch as opposed to feeling random. That's pretty true. Yeah. I like it. Um, so I hate Rogue One, <laughs> but I love Andor. 
And that's my radical recommend. Oh, this will take us back to the days of where Steve hates things and I just like every everything I see. So No, no, no. I think I've lightened up a bit in my old age. I've softened around well, the edges. I can see that, yeah. But Rogue true. One is such a pile of trash. <laughs> and the Said in your comments to I hate Steve me, at a play on makes me loathe it even further. I will argue with anybody. You're arguing with a guy who took play script analysis and studied a lot of character stuff. Mm. And it's trash. It is trash. <laughs> I I was a film major. Took screenwriting classes. Uh, what makes a good structure of a movie? I think it was fine. Trash. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us some trailer reviews. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> All right. So this yeah. week we have uh, Knock at the Cabin. Which is the trailer for the new M. Night Shyamalan. Shal- I can never say his name. M. Right. Night Shyamalan? Shyamalan. And what's great is I do this job for a YouTube entertainment company where I have to talk about top 10 lists of different movies and stuff. And I have to say his name frequently. And they always give me the pronunciation for it because they just know it's a hard name to say. But I don't have that right now. So I'm going to fuck up his name. But he hasn't had a movie in a while. So this is his first movie out in a while. And it seems like, what does it seem like it's about, Steve? I don't know. Here's the thing. It's an M. Night Shyamalan film, so there's no way it's about what they showed us. Right, what it will turn out to be about. But what it appears to be on the surface is a uh, a gay couple and their, I'm assuming, adopted daughter. Right. Going to this remote mountain retreat for some rest and relaxation when they are approached by some strangers, led by Dave Batista and Rupert Grint from Harry Potter's in there. Uh, who seemingly attack them invade the house and tie up both the dads and the trailer eerily ends with dave batista telling the little girl she has to pick one of them or the world will end yeah it seems strange in the trailer that they don't seem like they want to kill anybody they don't even seem like they want to be doing what they're doing but they seem like they have to be doing it for some strange reason or otherwise the world will end it's it's odd and so i think it's a great trailer to capture interest at least. Um, Dave yeah. Batista looks strange in regular clothes. I'm just going to put it right out there. He's like he's uh, bursting but, out of every shirt he wears, basically. But knowing M. Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. is that the the twist is going to be that they're not crazy and the world literally will end for whatever goofy reason if this little girl doesn't like pick one of her dads. Or like the twist on the twist will be that if she picks one of her dads they die the pe- three people go okay we did what you ask they go to like the aliens or the monster or whatever who was asking them to do this and it was just a joke and it meant nothing and true so it could be that too but either way it looks interesting i definitely want to see it i i've liked a lot of things m night Shyamalan has done but not some of them <laughs> like the plant hey, movie the last airbender was great <laughs> And we definitely didn't call the happening the crappening at Blockbuster. <laughs> the happening. What? No. What? No. <laughs> that movie's terrible. Um, um, so I'm going to give this one uh, a Raul Julia in a remote mountain cabin, sipping maybe a hot cup of tea, looking out the window, mm. the Dewey Valley, and out of the trees come four Gary Puseys. <laughs> You got to pick one of us in the world ends. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this one. One Raul Julia sitting in his lovely bathroom with a 
a uh, marble toilet. Um, Does he have a clawfoot tub? Clawfoot tub. He's oh, just uh, yeah. there's some like, some mist coming out, some like a demist, a humidifier and everything. He's just relaxing on the toilet with some, some candles. Does he have a face mask on? Oh, face like, like a, face like mask on. Yeah. And he just hears a knock at the door, violent knock. What is it? And he hears, you got to choose that bathroom or me. (laughs) And Raul Julia says, every time it's me in this bathroom, never you. (laughs) Let me in there. I got to wreck that toilet. (laughs) You will do such thing. You use the toilets in the basement like usual. I ate cheese for breakfast again. (laughs) You're lactose intolerant. Why did you do that? I thought it would wash down the other cheese. <laughs> it never does. <laughs> so yes, that's a trailer. That's that's the movie. <laughs> Knock at the cabin. Take a look online. Tell us what you think. Yes. Uh, well, I think that brings us to the end of episode 156 of a play on nerds. That's right. Uh, thanks for joining us. Join us again next time for our official full on Halloween spooky spectacular where we are going to talk about Halloween three. That's right. The one without Michael Myers <laughs> uh, season of the witch. Oh yeah. Uh, but until next time, keep on coming back to be our nerdy audience and we will keep on coming back to be your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?